Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, Ghostbusters fans, and welcome to the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad Podcast for the week of September 16th, 2019. This one is a fun one. Chris and I are back together again uh, after uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus that you were unaware of. Uh, So we're going to be catching up on a lot of things, including the Hasbro announcement, uh, Halloween Horror Nights, uh, cleaning up the town screenings. Uh, There's all sorts of merchandise news. It's a jam-packed episode. We're really excited for you to hear it. Stay tuned. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keymaster? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! I'm going to... Uh, we're gonna go back uh, for October seventh screening of Cleaning Up the Town. Oh yeah. Well, wait. We should talk about that on the the show proper. Are we not in the show proper? All right, we're in the show proper. <laughs> no, we can talk about it more in a minute. But uh, uh, I mean, well, hey, hey, everybody, hey. how's it going? Hi. This is your your host Troy Benjamin and your other host Chris Stewart. And God, I don't know why I'm talking like one of those stupid thirty second podcast promos right now <laughs> i hate it so much uh you could, you could be a youtuber hey guys what's up yeah oh hey and i'm the other person <laughs> and we're here to talk about our podcast uh, anyway uh but yeah so i mean it's it's funny because chris and i are just catching up uh you you yeah. the uh, listening audience are unaware of it uh but he and i haven't talked now for like five weeks it seems like five four well, weeks we That's recorded the book true. club, but that wasn't yeah. that was sort of a different different beast altogether. Yeah, uh, and we do text semi regularly. Oh um, yeah, I mean, well, we, we things, talk. I'm, I'm saying like on the air. It's, on know, the like, air, we uh, have yeah, not been, been in the same air quotes uh, studio uh, for July. For yeah. No, we recorded. Uh, if we count the book clubs, that was early August. Okay, yeah, the, I mean the book club counts. Like it's the eleventh, not our usual. It was not our usual yeah. poker night. Not, I mean, not too. No. Uh, now that said, uh, around August eleventh, and and it being the day it is today, that's a month. That's it been is a, a month. month. Yeah, that's why I was like, has it been five weeks? But I think it kind of has. But anyway, uh, uh, something so, like that. So yeah. the, that's the bad news for us as friends. But the good news is that uh, we have a whole lot to catch up on, including. You like that segue? You're going to go see cleaning up the town. Cleaning up the town. So, well, let's do this. I mean, okay. Let's just let's just freeform this episode. I mean, I was going to launch into like a proper news <laughs> segment, and then it doesn't. But let's just let's have at it, man. Let's let's There's catch up. so much. There is so much stuff, big and small, that we could possibly talk about. We've got to talk about but... Hasbro. We've got to talk about Halloween Horror Nights. Um, but so Halloween like, Horror tell Nights. Me, tell me about yeah. uh, cleaning up the town. So this is. Uh, I, 
in Calgary, so this is one of the first screenings now, I believe, Okay, right? well, um, I keep forgetting their name, but whatever uh, partner, distributor, uh, the Buenos hooked up with there, the ones that took them to... Uh, to France to shop it around and yeah, all that. Yeah, their their distribution company. Yeah, I they can't are. Oh, they are. They're go getters. Because um, that was all coming together and locked in June around Fan Fest. And I'm trying to find out where the, all the others are. But for example, um, the Calgary Underground Film Fest, which is in Calgary. Uh, I had the bright idea that, hey, Calgary's filming in town. What can we do about that? And then happened to bump into the the distributors. And they it's a lock. It's the 7th and I'll have to find the exact date. I think it might be on the a few days later. But they're doing two screenings in Calgary. Oh, that's in cool. In October, which is, you know, coming up in like a month. Um and given that I have family there and given that I have to do some checking in on some stuff and it's a short plane ride and all that, uh, yeah, I was like, well, that well seems like it. a good, yeah. there's a very good chance if, if these guys are that proactive, I think I'd be surprised if we didn't see screenings, um, all over the place. I think the only reason it's not, for example, showing in Toronto right now with, uh, TIFF is, um. Uh, that I think the submissions for that were quite a ways back and they weren't quite, you know, ready to, they weren't quite locked yet rights wise and all that sort of thing. So they couldn't go around submitting themselves for those ones. But I would imagine it's probably a pretty, I hope it's a pretty safe bet that all the people that contributed to the Kickstarter campaigns and so on and so forth, they should start hearing about plans in the near future um hopefully uh in, in terms of getting people to see the movie that uh, paid to see the premieres and yeah you know, all that well, jazz it's it's now all done and uh, well at least the the documentary on the first film oh right uh, well, yeah this, this is, is this is clean this up the is town, the amazing too hot to handle yeah exactly there's so much good that like th- this this it took so long but it came together so well but it leaves so many weird questions <laughs> like like we kickstarted for a movie and it's now turned into two what does that mean what does that mean um, yeah. what's the other the other question I had because uh, you kind of touched on it oh the Kickstarter was so long ago we were all in for a DVD <laughs> that's not really the era we're living in anymore. <laughs> Um, we all signed up for a super Betamax <laughs> tape of, uh, well, well, not only that, like DVDs were, they were the easy go-to and relatively inexpensive at the time. Blu-rays weren't, it's taken so long. DVDs are just not the thing people ask for anymore because yeah. you, you cannot get your, your HD 1080p out of it. Uh, but not only that, Blu-rays though themselves are now yeah. Everybody this, wants the, the 4K UHD uh, version of everything. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, but not only that, they're a, they're they're a you know a, a deprecated format. Like yeah. they are so inexpensive to produce now, the way DVDs used to be. That I'm just assuming it's a foregone conclusion that they'll put it on whatever the the best disc possible is, because really the prices probably haven't shifted around too much yeah, on them. Totally. But, Plus, uh, we don't we don't know what the deal is with the distributor because it could very well be that a distributor has gone, you know, done the math and said we're going to generate X thousand, ten thousand copies, in English speaking copies of this disc. It's very easy to then bury the 
whatever it is, the hundreds to thousands. Yeah. I, I don't remember the number of backers, right? It's fairly easy to like include that number into the production run and not. That's, yeah, that's usually what it ends up. I mean, the distributor, when they do these acquisitions, they know that they owe X amount of uh, home video copies because of Kickstarter stuff now. And Well, yeah, they're yeah. striking a deal on a, on a product that's, you know, basically in front of them and ready to go because, yeah, a whole bunch of people stepped in early and helped it get made. Um, yeah. Uh, and already here? prepaid for it, but... Uh, oh no, it's two screenings on the same day. Oh, okay. So there you go. So go see it Begging twice the same day. October 7th, uh, 2019, 7 p.m. and 9 p.m. Um, and what's very cool about it is it's at the uh, Globe Cinema. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the Globe Cinema is, uh, well, it's, it, it holds a lot of fond memories. Uh, it's not the theater I saw Ghostbusters in. That was a different cinema. I think it was the Showcase, which is long gone. But that was a fantastic cinema that, um, oh boy, it, its exterior is not was not you know man's Chinese theater esque at all. It was it was kind of a nondescript building, you know, in downtown Calgary. Its interior is what reminded me man's Chinese theater because it was the giant movie you know, thousand looking, per, yeah, yeah, with you know like. Charlie Chaplin murals and all that. You know what I mean? Like it was that classic sort of thing with the uh, um, the uh, balcony up above it. Like it was. It was it's really. Beautiful. Yeah, I mean, the reason that I sparked to it immediately is I know because we've we filmed stuff inside the Globe Theater up there uh, in, in Calgary. In, in Calgary, yeah. Well, I say you we, did. but on a project that I worked on, they they filmed a little bit up there. Uh, a little bit up there. Yeah. Well, here's the yeah the showcase is the Globe came along later. Uh, it was a much more modern cinema. But, um, God, it's weird that I can actually remember where I saw Ghostbusters in theater every single time. That's a bit of a Shows weird one. Shows how memorable it, it makes sense why you're on a <laughs> Ghostbusters podcast. Let's put it that I way. Guess so. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Duh. But the Globe <laughs> has all these other memories. Like, it was, I, was, I saw the Rocky Horror Picture Show there. Uh, they used to do regular screenings. I don't know if they Their still midnight do. Midnight screenings, I saw, yeah. I saw train spotting there with the uh, Americans don't understand uh, Scottish accents, so they put subtitles on it edition. <laughs> nice. I saw that <laughs> one. Uh, and I saw, what else? Oh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 presents This Island Earth. Oh, man. Like, there the were some, I have, some, so I have some great memories of that theater. And here I get to go back and I get to see this. There's, you know, this documentary that I've been waiting a yeah, decade to see and I've been supporting making. and, ooh. Uh, so. Well, so it's, it's right around the corner. That's good news. And, uh, I, I did, I was kind of, you know, I was being cheeky when I was saying it, but I was like, uh, <laughs> what's going to come out first? Uh, Jason Reitman's Ghostbusters movie or Clean Up the Town? And sure enough, uh, looks like, uh, Clean Up the by, Town's going to beat it to a, the gate. By a nose. I, um, yeah, it's a photo finish. Um. Yeah, it's part of a film festival. So if you're a member of the film fest, it's like it's or a student or a senior, it's dirt cheap. It's like eight bucks to get in, and if you're not any of those things, it's only ten bucks. So yeah. uh, if you're in the uh, southern Alberta area or yeah, within go, driving range of it, go check it. out. I mean, and especially knowing that the production should still be up there as of August. Uh, August. Where am I? What day is it? As of October seventh. <laughs> Uh, yeah. the, a good chance that, you know, maybe Ivan or somebody will stop by, uh, Oh, that would be uh, nice. Yeah. Right? would but, be great. Uh, but, um, all right. Well, uh, here, th- I, I want to talk Hasbro. I, we have to get into sure. the Hasbro of it all. I mean, I'm, I am excited for you to go see clean up the town. I'm actually excited to see the movie. Uh, uh but 
I've been privy to a few cuts and I'm like, I have no idea how they did it still. It's more yeah. of a, a jigsaw puzzle to me. I want to see how they put things together. But, um, but Hasbro, uh, because in the midst of our, it wasn't a hiatus because we had episodes that were airing, but we weren't kind of do, we were doing our discussion topics and our book club and stuff like that. So yeah. I kind of cut into the feed and talked about the Hasbro announcement at the time that it happened, but you and I have never had some good one-on-one discussion about it um so uh, not entirely surprising you know based off of at fan fest they had that real ghostbusters card up and everybody pointed out that it had the hasbro logo on it and it had that same sort of rough around the edges uh, vintage collection uh reissue kind of like they've been doing for uh, star wars and um so we, we se- all kind of seem to recall even somebody point sorry to interrupt that they they pointed that the the retro packaging look was of a similar like the the wear and tear the, was yeah, actually like yeah, that, a stock one that they used in other uh figures that they put out it, and and there were there were there were whispers at fan fest there were like i heard that hasbro was gonna do <sighs> ghostbusters stuff. so it was kind of one of those things that it was like a not a well-kept secret but um but so yeah. i mean it's it's a welcome addition to uh the the news uh surrounding the new movie but just uh for us as ghostbusters fans in general because hey uh, Kenner, uh, from 1986 until 1990, three, four, five, when did everything kind of, must've been like around 92, 93. Um, they really, they had some great toys. They had some, uh, just inventive toys, things that were very, uh, um, uh, toyetic for lack of a better word. You know, they were putting together a whole bunch of stuff that wasn't based on the show or the movie or anything. It was just a fun toy. And, uh, so I'm, I'm excited to see what they want to do. Uh, how did you react to the news? Cause I didn't get to get your reaction right out of the gate. <laughs> My reaction was, huh? huh. <laughs> <laughs> and I say that because as we've talked about before, I was on the cusp too old for the toys when they came out. They intrigued me as as a fan of Ghostbusters, but I was just kind of outside of the curve of being a kid that wanted to like own and play with them all. Yeah. So um, I'm excited because this. Well, I'm excited because at, this means we get to see another toy company and one with ties to the original toys. Right. Is going to take a crack at something. We don't know exactly what. We can speculate. But we've gotten to see uh, Mattel put their best foot forward. Uh, pardon me. You and I haven't spoken in a while. Are you? Do you have a drink, or is it just I me? Have, oh, I've got it. Yeah, I got beer. I need beer. I have a beer too. Mine is a bit uh, uh, erpy. <laughs> Mine's a bit uh, Rick and Morty. <laughs> My tummy feels erpy. Heidi ho. Rick, are you just going to start talking like Rick throughout this? <laughs> This no, is, this <laughs> it's easier for me to do more <laughs> than it is to do Rick, but, uh, uh, Mattel put their best foot forward, stumbled in a couple of places, but they put out a lot of stuff yeah, and the role-playing toy. A lot of it was, I mean, it was all geared toward collectors, the Mattel stuff really. Yeah. It was, um, and then diamond select has uh, far less products, but man, real strong output. The real Ghostbusters alone. Uh, and to be honest, this is what was what I found to be one of the most interesting things is that as Hasbro was discussing and striking the deal with Sony, just by best guesstimates on how long these things take and all that, um, 
Diamond Select was soliciting and putting out their real Ghostbusters line, and everybody went like bat poop over yeah, those. Yeah. And I have I have to think that Diamond, you know, Hasbro owes a debt of gratitude to Diamond Select for demonstrating There's you know, what the interest and demand is, out there. right? Yeah. 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 So now we've got so that, and this is just action figure, right? Like we have other little guys like the Titans and the all that sort of thing. Yeah, uh, Funko and Funko's yeah. figures, all that. But this is an action figure playset role play gear company and and they're calling this the main master toy license too which leads me to believe that they get first crack at whatever they want to do and then everybody else can kind of uh pick pick up from what is not being produced by by hasbro yeah i don't know exactly how that sort of thing works um Particularly as we've seen in the last few years, you know, uh, multiple companies got to put stuff out at the same time. Like while Diamond Select Toys stuff was coming out, you know, there was other groups putting out 12-inch figures and and all that. So it's, uh, I don't know. Again, it's one of those things where we like to think we're we're, – you know, commentators on it, and really, we have no insight because we weren't <laughs> well, we in any of the talks. Really don't I mean? We, we never read a contract. We have no idea. It, it is. I mean, it's pretty telling in the press release that they did say that there's going to be something for everyone. You know, for uh, collectors, for kids, uh, for fans of the originals, for fans of the new stuff. Uh, yeah, they're, they're really kind of putting out the the widespread of what they're going to be producing. But I mean, to me, that's. Because when you look at the toy market now, I mean, I when I take uh, Hazel up and down the toy aisle at Target, because Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore, but she loves the toy aisle at Target. But, you know, it's it's mainly collectors now. You walk down that aisle that has Star Wars, uh, Transformers, Power Rangers, uh, Jurassic Park. Sure, there's a couple kids in there, but it's it's mainly like... 30-year-old dudes like me that are there to pick up whatever the Black Series figure is that they want to get or the Marvel yeah. Legends figures. And so it kind of... I'm glad I'm glad that they're identifying that they do need to make these toys for kids because, uh, you know, you, gotta, you, you have to foster the next generation of fans. You can't just always cater to us uh, old guard. Yeah. Um, and and I, I feel like Hasbro is really well-suited toward that. I feel like they've figured out whatever that secret formula, whatever that secret sauce is through the Star Wars line of, okay, we have to produce X amount of toys for the kids. We have to produce X amount of higher end uh, collectible figures for the uh, the adult collector. Um, we have to create these role-playing uh, items. We have to create these board games. Like, Yeah. Well, it's, it's a company that has that experience where Mattel, I mean, I, granted, Answer the Call was something that was different and they were having trouble figuring out how to market the movie itself, let alone the toys for it. But, um, you know, uh, Mattel just didn't quite know what to do, where Hasbro, I think, they're yeah. well suited for this. I think part of it, too, is that what we're watching now is a company step up and taking a swing and they're saying they're going to take a swing at all these different demographics because they're freaking Hasbro. Yeah. Like Mattel for, you know, Mattel's a name, but when it comes to action figures, uh, you know, the fact that they, uh, you know, sold through the online club, some of it and tried to, you know, do the, 
the crowdfunding for the car and stuff like that, it suggests that Mattel had really narrow margins, you know, when they were working out their numbers on this stuff. And then Diamond Select, slightly different animal. I think their margins were fairly narrow too, but they were like, we're Diamond, so we're going to make them and we're going to sell them through uh, you know, the, the, the specialty stores. So that's fairly, you know, they had, this is Hasbro that I think Hasbro makes things in plastic in a scale that we don't fully comprehend. Like I am, I am, (laughs) I am more than certain that Mattel probably, for example, contracts, a partner factory, but it is not their exclusive partner yeah. factory. Whereas Hasbro, without a doubt, has multiple factories on lock doing nothing but pumping out Hasbro sure. stuff, yeah. which, you know, changes things altogether. It makes it very easy for them to say, here's your black label Ghostbusters for you fans. And, oh, here's the, you know, the cutier oversized ones for the kids. And here's some, you know, some, some equipment toys and just, yeah, like it's... Let's and, be honest, and, they're, and they're, they're monster. The of, of what, yeah. of what quantity of those materials, because I, everybody knows when the Phantom Menace came out that Hasbro overproduced the crap out of all their action figures. So they, they've learned from their mistakes now as to what well, to do with twofold. a movie tie-in, especially in this day and age. And They've learned from that lesson, but too, that demonstrated what they can pump out too, right? If you follow my point, like, Oh my God. Yeah. The, the, this the, is Hasbro. The, the Phantom Menace peg warmers are still out there and it is 20 <laughs> years later now. Like. It is, uh, Hasbro, uh, it, it kind of Disney of, of toy makers. They, yeah. there's a reason they're going to make us Ghostbusters stuff and has, you know, that has, we're all excited because they have the Kenner license. They, they've absorbed companies along the way. Not, I don't know how many Mattel has absorbed along the way, if you know what I mean. Um, and Hasbro is sitting on, well, partly because of the companies they picked up, they've absorbed, you know, access to so many licenses and yeah. licensing histories and all that. So, you know, Star Wars and uh, they're G.I. Joe, aren't G. they? G.I. Joe, yeah. yeah. G.I. Yeah. Joe and uh, Real Ghostbusters. Uh, Mr. Potato Head. Uh, I mean, it, it kind of goes on and on with them. <coughs> Transformers. Um, yeah, Transformers. I mean, they haven't done anything Turtles-wise lately, but that's been swimming around. But, you know, they have roots back there. I wouldn't be surprised if sooner or later they'll get back into that uh, actions. So it's yeah, I mean I think cuz yeah, Playmates <coughs> did Turtles and then I don't know where Turtles is at this point. But yeah, anyway, so I mean, yeah, it's I'm excited because it, Hasbro can also get kind of goofy. You know, Mattel they tried. You know, they had their <laughs> like Gooper Ghost uh stress toys that had the bulgy eyes when you squeezed them and and whatever, but like Hasbro a fearsome flush how iconic is fearsome flush or uh a tombstone tackle or all of these things that again uh they have the experience from making 500 versions of batman for uh batman returns and uh yeah. the movies following that but they they kind of know how to make toys that could have been off screen, you know, the little mini rigs for Star Wars, like, uh, that wasn't in the movie, but that looks cool. I'm going to buy that. The Ecto-3, the Ecto-5000, uh, 
you know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see what they do with that. I, I can't take credit for it because I saw somebody else on social media post it, but I want to see them make Fright Features figures. Why not? Yeah, why not? Make, um, just go shoot, shoot, shoot for the moon and see what happens. And uh, maybe people pick up on it. I want to see 2020 be the year that Hasbro pushes its weight around and they do like Kenner did back in the day, which is... No, you don't just agree to buy up a bunch of Ghostbusters stuff. And, you know, Mattel half-heartedly managed to twist, uh, you know, Walmart's arm and all that to put some of the, uh, uh, the you know, the shelf signage yeah, that up. Yeah, that end and stuff. And yeah. All that. Ghostbusters. Whereas back in the day, Kenner was like, this shelf is ours and it will be arranged in the following <laughs> manner. Yeah, exactly. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of hoping that that's – that. that it, more than I, more than what individual toys they make, that's what I want to see. I want to turn a corner and see yeah. a shelf be Ghostbusters the uh, same way I turn a shelf and it's Star Wars, you know what I mean, or that, Hot Wheels. Yeah. I mean, that's why it is so physically painful that Toys R Us does not exist again right now because that was – when you walked through those automatic double doors, that was always the first thing that hit you in the face was whatever the – flavor of the month licensed toy was uh, that they wanted to display right there on that L uh, island that was, you know, it was usually like uh, Justice League or uh, Jurassic Park or you know, whatever the movie was that was coming out or, you know, Star Wars obviously was kind of always there. But um, I, I wanted to, I want that. Can some, somebody buy a Toys R Us and open them again? Isn't, I thought they were coming Oh, back. you're right. There are like the little boutique like uh, the, the smaller stores, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it could be, but uh, not in time for this. Probably would be my guess. Um, <laughs> well, 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 yeah, maybe. If you're a good boy and ask Santa, maybe. <laughs> Can you open a pilot store in a year? Come on, do it. <laughs> uh, well, isn't that what KB Toys is doing? Like these weird little pop-up, you know, uh, nostalgia-based boutique yeah uh, but i haven't seen any of them either that's i want to hit one of those but uh maybe they can pull a spirit halloween and just you know just november december uh prime end of year shopping period they just take over a a, an empty blockbuster somewhere uh, or i mean the the, it's it's pretty obvious to me like all of my toys r us stores are still empty with like the the grayed out toys r us uh signs still up just Uh, inhabit your toys r us store for christmas again and Mm. call it a day uh but anyway so yeah so the hasbro news that's it's pretty exciting um that's one of the biggest things that we we, yeah yeah and, and we should start seeing more i mean look at uh you know we've got force friday coming up for star wars and we're just now starting to see the figures that are coming out in october so it's it's gonna be a while before we see the toys uh for for ghostbusters but I'm sure they're not going to sit too long idle. They're probably going to start putting out some product as fast as they possibly can in 2020. Possibly. Yeah. And, you know, isn't it exciting that just in time for the new movie to come out, uh, Hasbro has stepped up to produce toys that Amazon.com will accidentally leak too early. (laughs) Oh, God. And give away parts of the no. movie. <laughs> oh, no. I'm not even looking forward to that. Hooray! Uh, part of me does feel a little bad for Mattel out of all of this, though. Like, because I, I thought where you were going with that was that uh, just in time for a new movie to be released, Mattel is losing the license, which is the whole reason I think that they were holding on to the license in the first place. And then I, yeah, kind of well. got the 2016 movie as a curveball. But 
there's a uh, there's business for you. I guess. Uh, pour one out for Mattel. I guess is what I'm saying. But <laughs> um, that'd be something. Is if your Amazon Prime came with the feature, uh, so you got uh, you got uh, Prime Video, uh, two day shipping, and you could mark product. Uh, to Spoilers. be hidden, to be hidden from you <laughs> yes. for a period of time. I don't want to hear about any Ghostbusters products between now and the summer of 2020. Yeah, please. or show me the listing, but hide the image or something. Uh, oh, yeah. there um, you go. That, Amazon, get on that. That would be like marketing gold. I'm sure it's only a matter of time. Somebody's going to develop right. that, or even as like a third-party app for your browser or something. But. Uh, so, um, all right, well, so let's let's move on to uh, Halloween Horror Nights um, mm. because this is also something we didn't really get to talk. We talked about the announcement of it, uh, but we haven't yep. been able to sort of talk about the developments behind it because it has, um, by my non-professional uh, opinion, been an overwhelming hit. Uh, just seeing the lines and there's been at least a two hour wait for the, uh, Ghostbusters maze in Orlando, yeah. uh, pretty consecutively every time that it's open. Um, and it's, it's one of the, yeah, the hot, most highly sought out ones. Everybody, of all the, I mean, everybody's yeah. talking about it and there was an article in the Hollywood reporter that was talking about how advanced it is and, and hearing about the behind the scenes just made me really jealous because it does kind of sound like the Ghostbusters spooktacular, show just on a grander scale to be completely honest yeah um, i guess a little bit uh you know interactive they've got uh, live actors who are lip syncing to uh, dialogue from the movie and they have control panels that they can trigger uh, sound effects and visual effects and all sorts of things that interact with however they're talking to the guests um there are surprises there's scares there's uh, apparently a really big um like forced perspective uh, scene that you get to see that is just blowing people away. And I've seen photos of it and they say it doesn't do you justice. Um, I'm, I didn't, I I didn't want to go Chris, but now I really do kind of want to (laughs) go. I, I, a a friend of mine sent out the email saying, we're going to hit the haunted house circuit, uh, you know, starting third week of September. And I was, ah, man, I'm really busy. I wish I could go. And now I want to just say, hey, I'll meet you at Universal. I'm just going on the Ghostbusters maze, and yeah. then I'll see you guys later. Well, you have that option. You, I mean, you were in L.A., so you can yeah. get to the Universal uh, – uh, what is it? Universal City Walk? Is that what it is? I know. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's still Universal Studios Hollywood, the part theme of, park. Part of the, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I know people that are actually uh, booking flights and heading off to Orlando. And, um, yeah, I'm just resigned to I'm not able to go. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and 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 partially, I'm putting uh, a little bit of faith in, uh, particularly given the reaction to this year, that it will be back next year. And people have pointed out they never bring them back. Yeah, we had a listener call in and say that. Yeah, but at the same time, and my you know my thing is well, they did it with Stranger Things, and they're like, yeah, but. It had new seasons. I was like, well, guess what next year is? A new movie. So even though this one may not specifically be what comes back, I kind of hope that maybe there's a – hello, I have a beer. (laughs) Marty. Marty. (laughs) You think you know true true flat? You don't. You don't know what true flat (laughs) is. (laughs) 
Uh, he nearly made me snort that through my nose. Um, I'm kind of hoping that uh, given the popularity of it this year, they'll bring it back in an upgraded version last year, a la Stranger Things. Yeah, or, or a rethemed version that reflects uh, events and scenes and things from the new movie, maybe. Uh, That's what I mean, the, right? Yeah, like the, yeah. They can do the new movie. Um, I think the first one is... Um, like this first year is all Ghostbusters one from what I can see, which means they also left the door open that next year they can go, uh, oh, we're going to do a little bit of the new movie or a little bit of the new movie and a little bit of Ghostbusters two. Do well, you know what I mean? Yeah, like it's this. interesting because that same Hollywood Reporter article. No, I take it back. It was a an IGN article that I, I didn't read because the headline on it said like, uh, Halloween Horror Nights Maze has no references to Ghostbusters 2016. And I was like, oh, it's a clickbaity article to bring up things like, but the, the headline was misleading because it actually was talking about the references that it does have. Um, and so there's, there is one reference to Ghostbusters 2, I believe. I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. it for people that, uh, it's, it's one of those things that if you, apparently the one thing I can say that probably is not a spoiler but i guess you can look inside the containment unit like that's something that they welcome you to do and they've sort of taken that um that idea that was in the original draft of the screenplay where uh, ray and egon look inside the containment unit and see all the ghosts floating around you can do that and you can see ghosts in there and apparently that's where you see a lot of the nods to uh ghostbusters 2 and answer the call and i think that's it because the video game reference they mentioned was that there's like slime portals that you uh, end up going through and that's that's how they get you from location to location so that's a little bit of a stretch but um so yeah so there's i mean it's it's not you're not walking into the modern museum of art and uh you know janos and vigo are there it's not something overt like that but there's little winks and nods to uh, ghostbusters too it sounds like yeah but um and then the merch can we talk about the merch? Because in, in Orlando, yeah. I don't think that it's in the Hollywood uh, store, but in Orlando, they've kind of gone all out and they've made the gift shop uh, thematic to Ghostbusters. And a lot of people are actually talking about how much they love the gift shop as well, which is a funny thing to say because yeah. how many people just love a good gift shop? Well, they, let's be honest, we have a bit of a history about really cool Ghostbuster shops like that candy shop. That's true. Yeah, that's true. That had the Stay Puff and the Slimer and all that. Like, um, well, in Orlando, and, when the Spooktacular was open, there was yeah. the the Paranormal store, and it. I I vividly remember that was like Mecca. That was when I saw that in ninety. It was the year that it closed. Sadly, uh, so what was that? Ninety five. I want to say. Um, but uh, the t-shirts and toys and the displays and they had all of these like packs hanging on the walls and that's kind of what they've replicated just on a smaller scale uh, for the Orlando uh, attraction and they've got you know a locker that's got all four of the guys's uh, jumpsuits uh, flight suits um, packs on the walls uh, it, it, it just sounds like it's it's a cool little instagrammable I can't believe I just said that. God, I hate myself so much. Uh, an Instagrammable uh, experience because you can go and you can take pictures of yourself in front of all of these things and and enjoy. That's kind of one of the beauties of uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is just going and looking inside these little like uh, supply lockers and seeing all of the cool props and stuff that they've uh, peppered throughout uh, the entire place. But 
Um, and then, uh, the merch itself is, is actually pretty cool. I want those tumbler glasses. I still, I've, I'm kicking myself. I've forgotten to order them online. I got to do that right now. Yeah. The glassware looks pretty good. Uh, the lanyards have been p- pretty sought after, especially if you're like a regular con person, good t-shirts. t-shirts um, uh, there's a, a fun, like a, a hat. Um, uh, I mean, tons. Of, I mean, it's not like. Spirit Spirit of Halloween has a ridiculous amount of stuff right now. Tablecloths, yes. uh, uh, paper plates, all that kind of stuff. But Minute figures on keychains, yeah. more socks. Um, but it's it's nothing to that level. But they're also still selling a lot of the like they've got the pop Funko Pops and some uh, figures and toys and stuffed animals. Uh, so <laughs> I hope everybody is guarding your pocketbooks really well right now because there's a lot out there that really wants to take your money (laughs) and more coming and oh my god next year is probably going to be uh infinitely uh more but um so yeah so i i i want to do this i i'd like to open it up to our listeners uh last week we played a whole lot of really fun voicemails but if you have been to either one of the hollywood uh halloween horror night attractions um, call in, uh, tell us about your experiences because it seems like it varies from person to person too, because you're interacting with the actors. Uh, there's a password. Apparently if you, uh, tell Lewis Tully at the beginning of the maze, the password that they're tweeting out on their Twitter account, something happens. I have no idea what that is. Mm. Uh, call, call in, uh, cause I think it would be fun to string together however many <laughs> two, three voicemails of, of people that have experienced it and see how they differ and what, what happened to you and what didn't happen to you. I kind of want to go and just annoy him <laughs> with plausible sounding guesses, but wrong guesses. Uh, the password is banana smoke. popsicle. No, no more, more like smoke salmon, <laughs> Nova Scotia, Nova Scotia, salmon. 20 minute workout. <laughs> just <laughs> uh, probate law what um, uh, and the actors is like come on guy I got a line we got to keep moving here um, mineral water and nutritious snacks no yeah. hang on I'll get this everybody just wait <laughs> I don't care there's a line uh, oh, oh one thing we should mention uh, and Chris you were, you were kind enough to point it out but if you are going if you haven't been already um, check Groupon because apparently yeah. there are uh, some some discounted tickets if you go through Groupon uh, to attend Halloween Horror Nights. But um, and, and I think there's Do like AAA it. discounts and all sorts of stuff. So if you want to save a few bucks, there are, are options there. Yes. Um, what else? Oh my God! There's a lot of National Lampoon stuff that we haven't talked about. Oh, you know we didn't talk about this is something that was kind of fun. The Elmer Bernstein score hit number one on the uh, the film. Uh, score charts or, or not even fil- no, like soundtrack classic, charts, classical charts, classical just straight up charts. classical charts on on classic uh, classical FM in the UK. That I mean, how crazy! I mean, it's not crazy because it's a wonderful score, and Elmer Bernstein obviously is a well revered uh, composer. But the, yeah. the fact that Ghostbusters, you know, uh, thirty five years later, uh, the the score album is hitting number one. That's that's kind of amazing. Well, the cynic in me uh, acknowledges that there was probably a bit of a push behind it. Part of the whole, you know, push to sell us the the vinyl edition and all that sort of thing, you know, kind of helped a bit. But yeah. at the end of the day, it only works if, 
like I, uh, this is the thing too. I'm not, I was never able to confirm whether it was a sales thing or, uh, like a, uh, uh, top 40, you know, uh, radio thing. Like, I don't know. If uh, it wasn't <laughs> like their, their Casey Kasem top 10. Uh, this is like, I don't know if it was because people were requesting it on the radio or I, I, part of me thinks it might be due to sales. Like that might have been how they were tabulating that. Yeah, that, that, that was make my impression sense. of it. Is it? It was like the Billboard sales charts. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but but I guess these day and age, uh, Classic FM maintains their own uh, Classic Radio. Well, not what it yeah. used to be, but uh, yeah, but Classic FM. If it's the same radio station, it's a fairly hip station too. Given what they try to uh, program uh, for the airwaves, uh, they were the ones who. They gave Stephen Fry money to make like a 40-episode series called The Complete and Utter History of Classical Music. Wow. It was just him talking about, you know, starting starting with, you know, uh, chanting monks and then moving <laughs> forward through time. And oh. he talked about... I would love to hear Stephen Fry talk about chanting monks, by the way. I will, just his, I will his send soothing you- voice would make that really appealing. It's really like if you're ever a person who's like, I wish I knew more about classical music. This is a f- and and more to the point, if you're somebody who has time to kill in the morning on a commute and all that, this is a fantastic. I'll send you. I have it. I have it on MP3. Oh, I will yeah, send it to send you. Send it my way because I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Well, by the end, interesting. The last couple, uh, it turns into like sort of like our podcast uh, uh, pals at. Uh, the oh, sorry, the gentleman who's been deconstructing film scores is it the movie? Oh, David Collins, you're talking yeah. about yeah, yeah, his series soundtrack because show. Yeah. the last one Stephen Fry puts forth the argument that we are now living in an age where everybody thinks classical music is old and stuffy and gone, forgetting that really a lot of its power this day has morphed over into film and television. Like scoring for film and television is where you know, classical, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the history of classical, this is what the history of classical composition has led to is, is to this, you know, uh, and they go through the Harry Potter soundtracks and stuff like that, yeah. pointing, pointing out that there are still, ama- and he, the one before he does modern composers and then the one after he goes, but for the bulk of the world, classical music exists now in film scores. Yeah. So. That, I mean, that, those are our orchestral, uh, Compositions, yeah. yeah, but um, and and I know that there have been a lot of cri- criticisms uh, against this this particular release of the album, but um, ah, pasha. but yeah, and and the vinyl release is great, um, and it's just it's one of those things that yeah, it's not a completist, uh, or or a sequential release, um, but it's also a, a, a just wonderful music that's been compiled and. Uh, always, always worth a listen. Um, and if you are a completist, there are ways to create that. Um, we've mentioned that here on the show yes, before. Right. But, Make your own playlist. Um, so, so yeah. So, uh, congratulations to uh, <laughs> posthumously to uh, Elmer Bernstein, number one on the charts. Uh, that's awesome. That's a rarity. Way to go, Elmer. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's move. On. Let's talk about the Fathom event, and then we'll we'll end on the National Lampoon stuff. Um, so uh, Fathom, which we we knew this was this is not a new announcement, but I guess that their big marketing push has started because the event is coming up right around the corner here. Uh, Fathom will be putting on their live 
they call them live events because they're live streaming them to a, a movie theater near you. Uh, but they will be doing a 35th anniversary screenings of Ghostbusters with a special uh, introduction featuring some of the original cast members. Uh, no clarity on what that introduction is. If it's just, you know, uh, Dan and Ernie saying, hey, thanks so much for coming out for our 35th anniversary. Or if it's something bigger, don't know. Um, but the other big draw to this Fathom event is that it sounds like they're actually going to show the dailies that we saw at FanFest. That that was my interpretation of this this big PR push. Did you kind of read into that the same way, Chris? That it's yeah, a little bit. Um, it's it's coming with a, something a little extra. Um, yeah, exactly what that is is not quite clear. But they're, I mean, they're talking about uh, newly unearthed uh, alternate scenes, and that's kind of why I thought you know maybe that's yeah. the stuff that Jason Reitman showed off at, at FanFest. Um, it could also be more new stuff because we didn't get to see everything that they dug up. So it's, you know. I, I, yeah, it's possible that it's different from what uh, is at FanFest 2, which is, is I, quite I suspect, intriguing. though, that, you know, Occam's Razor applies here. And the simple answer is they'll just reuse the stuff we get to see. But <laughs> it's that, still the that'll, same stuff. It's a big deal for people who didn't get to go to FanFest, obviously. Um, the one thing that I haven't heard a lot of is that they, they did say that um, the – the same screening they're doing um, in the States through Fathom can be arranged and shown in Canada and technically, I guess, anywhere. It's just I haven't heard of anywhere else yet. Um, mm, yeah, interesting. So, and even if they did that, they haven't made it clear whether it's just an okie-dokie to show the you know, screen for the 35th anniversary of the movie or if they'd get the extra stuff. I don't... I, I didn't know. I thought I was under the impression that Fathom was international, but I've, I no. didn't even think about that. So we don't have Fathom up here. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully there are more opportunities for uh, our folks uh, up north and abroad to to check this out. But yeah, uh, so it is right around the corner, and I'm frantically trying to find the date for it right now as we're talking. Um, so bear <laughs> with me as Stretch I for time. Google. Live, uh, Fathom events. Oh no! Things this Troy is, is cutting out, starting right now. Fathom events and Sony Pictures have started selling tickets to a 35th anniversary presentation of Ghostbusters on October 6th and 10th at more than 600 theaters. Uh, this is coming from Variety.com. Screenings will feature an introduction with members of the cast, including newly unearthed and rarely seen alternate takes from famous scenes. There you go. So the 6th and the 10th, uh, I'm looking at Los Angeles right now. The uh, Cinemark is going to have it, the Del Amo Mall, the Century City Mall. There's there's a ton of places that are going to be doing it. So that's good news, <laughs> at least on my end. But So Monday is 7th, 8th, 9th, Thursday. The t- oh, God. Well, that's not going to work. Uh, the, the last time they did the Fathom screening, which I think was their, for the 30th anniversary, a couple of us drove down into uh, just north of Seattle there. there's a There were screenings in Seattle, but we didn't have to go that far. There was a, a, a screen in Bellingham or something like that, I think, that yeah. was showing it. So October 6th, that's the Sunday, like... Oh God! What times? It doesn't say. So do <laughs> it looks like, like it's four o'clock on the sixth. At least so here, it's I, four o'clock and seven o'clock. Catch a matinee on the Sunday and then get dropped off in the airport on the way back home to fly to Calgary to go see oh, cleaning up the town on boy. the seventh. I mean, maybe. 
Sure. I mean, uh, just make it a full. Yeah, do it. Why not? Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so it looks like, and, and just based upon the the little search that I did, uh, tickets are available now. So if you want to buy your tickets, you can go scoop those up and uh, be ready do for it. the sixth and the tenth. Um, all right, Chris. Let's end with uh, the National Lampoon. There's two two items here. Uh, the first one that I thought was of of great interest uh, is that the National Lampoon Radio Hour is being relaunched. Uh, of yes. course, in this podcasting day and age, as you listen to uh, our voices through whatever digital medium, whatever podcatcher you enjoy, uh, of course, there everybody, anybody and everybody has a podcast now, um, and uh, for better or for worse. Uh, but so uh, National Lampoon Radio Hour, it makes sense. Allow these improv comedians some opportunities to create some sketches and uh, perform them over yeah. the air. Well, I'm surprised it hasn't been done sooner, given that there's already really talented groups of improvers that just went out and started making their own podcasts. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and I think now that the the national the rights to the National Lampoon name have kind of settled down, and uh, the new investors are looking to relaunch the brand and Mm. kind of bring it back to its glory days, this only makes sense that this is one of the first steps. Um, uh, It was. Oh, it's in this article actually. In 2017, it was Palm Star that bought National Lampoon for 12 million dollars, which is uh, crazy to me. But uh, so anyway, so um, uh, Cole Escola, if you know him uh, from At Home with Amy Sedaris and Search Party, uh, he's kind of the head writer of it all. And then there's going to be various performers from the Second City and and uh, and various uh, other improv troops that are going to be joining that. So that's awesome. Um, it should be they're gonna they're working on announcing the ensemble cast it's all kind of early days but uh i'm i'm really excited about this so uh we'll keep you posted as we hear more about that um but the other big news chris this uh it and this is one of those things that i just i love uh randy enos the national lampoon artist uh talking about his atlantic magazine cover in in ghostbusters what where did this come from where where did you find this uh, it was an article online. Um, yeah. And now that you mentioned it, I realized I didn't make a note of what uh, what website well, po- do you posted. Wanna, do you want to talk about it? And I'll find the uh, the proper attribution here. Uh, sure. It was just a small thing that um, I, I don't know why exactly they were talking to him, but it was um, uh, it came up that they were talking to him about something, and they got onto Ghostbusters, and his his. What he likes to tell people is that my, you know, he's he's a long time illustrator, um, notable illustrator, done tons of uh, Atlantic Weekly covers. But what he likes to tell people is the first Atlantic Weekly cover I did wasn't an Atlantic Weekly cover, because the first one he ever did was for Ghostbusters. So in the montage, the screen slides by with the stylized, uh, you know, original three chasing after a ghost. Um, he's the one who did that, uh, and the. They 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 talk a bit about. Let me see here if I can get the. So this was this was in the Caledonian Record. That's the one. Yeah. yeah, Caledonian Record. Then I'm assuming is like a local uh, uh, news journal or uh, newspaper. Um, and he's talking about uh, he was because I guess he knew obviously going back to National Lampoon days he got he knew um, Michael C. Gross and all that. They, uh, Gross reached out to him to do the, the cover, at which point he said, well, fine, just give me some reference. And they sent a giant box 
filled with the guys in uniform, out of uniform, every angle possible, posed <laughs> together, separate. Like he was like, this is perfect. Thank you. Um, and then he, he sat down, did the sketching, got an okay. And the, the funny part about it, this is why he likes to say his first Atlantic Weekly cover wasn't an, an Atlantic Weekly cover, is Atlantic Weekly had to give the okay. Michael C. Gross took his art, put the uh, the magazine, you know, title logo on it and some, you know, appropriate. Yeah, the clearance headlines. people had to run it through uh, the Atlantic magazine. Sent to yeah. Atlantic. Atlantic approved it. So interestingly enough, he actually did an Atlantic weekly cover approved by the Atlantic <laughs> weekly editorial staff. It just never got published as an Atlantic published. weekly. Yeah. And and so the original painting he says he gave to Ivan Reitman and it's still in his offices somewhere. Um I, I mean, the the best part about this article, I just pulled it up while you were talking, and the best part is there's a great high res like version of the uh, the image here that yeah. I don't think I've ever seen it this clear, and that's really funny. And I also really like Dan Aykroyd's facial expression in this particular <laughs> image. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so this is uh, it's kind of a cool. It looks like it's a series of articles that they've been doing with him. Um, Let's see. I want to. Oh, Daryl Cagle is the author who the or the editor who has been uh, doing these. Um, so, yeah. I mean, check it out. It's it's really cool. He talks about the Atlantic cover. He talks about um, you know his past in working with uh, uh, this particular creative group. Um, he, t- he talks about Michael C. Gross showing him the uh, the moose Marty Moose from uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, which is pretty funny. Um, and, uh, his wife is in legal Eagles, which is another kind of fun hey. anecdote, which I never knew after this, but, um, so, uh, so yeah, so, uh, for, for those of you that are into those tiny details of Ghostbusters, go check that out. Uh, the link is on proton charging, but it's from the Caledonian record. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry. We'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702 GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Print is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That ought to do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Chris, uh, you and I, we, we talked about how we were going to handle this first episode back. You uh, were kind enough to put together uh, about 100 bullet points of things that we needed to talk about <laughs> that we missed, uh, and we didn't really get to it um, as we, we turn the corner into our hour here. Um, a lot of stuff is merchandise news. There's a, a, a ton of merchandise that's out there. Again, we mentioned Spirit of Halloween, Johnny Lightning, uh, uh, Middle of Beyond has their button-up shirts, Into the Dead 2 has some downloadable content. Of course, the Ghostbusters the Video Game Remaster is coming out in about a month. Um, I, I feel like we can probably curb all of that for next week and we can just kind of run through yeah. uh, the, the highlights of things. 
and uh, and I'm sure there will be more announcements between now and then that we'll have to be talking about anyway. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, what, you have any final thoughts? Uh, we haven't heard from you in, in several weeks, Chris. So I, I want to turn the floor over to you. What you got? I got I got three. Uh, the first is something we've never really talked about much, but just because it happens to be the the day we're recording on today is September 11th. Um, and of course, every year. I tend to revisit the whole history of the day. Uh, just giving a shout out to uh, Lieutenant Vincent G. Halloran, who was uh, the the one officer at uh, our fave Hook and Ladder Eight, who yeah. unfortunately perished uh, on 9/11. Uh, this year was kind of an interesting one in that I found a 2011 article with his brother, who mentions that he has to avoid. Uh, the news programs on September 11th because they show the the video footage, the only video footage of the first plane hitting um, the the towers there, uh, and mentions he has to avoid it because his brother's in it. And I think uh, I've seen that about a million times and never realized that, that Halloran is him. Yeah, and you wow. I sure enough went back and looked at it, and it's blurry. It's like you know from umpteen million years ago, and uploaded a million times, and so it's a little hard. I think there's a picture of uh, of, of him that's fairly clear, but in that shot of the 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 firefighter that I think is him too, you can clearly see on his helmet the the eight from the ladder eight. Wow! So I'm like, I never wow, realized that's, that. That's neither did yeah. I, right? So, um, so that's uh sobering and a little depressing i'll move to sobering and uplifting a uh, shout out to the containment unit guys yes uh, yeah who did their uh charity signing with uh, will deutschdorf uh for uh suicide prevention uh charities and all that they we talked about it <laughs> several episodes back where people got a chance to uh, like pay for an autograph they could get sent to them or could even arrange to send stuff that he would then sign and it would get sent back and all that. And by the sounds of it, it uh, went really well. I'm, I'm pretty proud of them too. I mean, this is something they only started a little while ago. I think this is their second big yeah, thing they organized. Ernie, Ernie did a, a private signing yeah. and, and now this one. Yeah. So uh, this is great. I love this idea. In a world where fans around the world can't always meet their heroes from these movies, I think this is a fantastic idea. Yeah. I'm all yeah. for this one. And, uh, and this is the next. Like ha- I mean, just based on the photos, Will looks like he had a good time doing it too. It looks. Um, it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and either he's shorter than I imagined, or uh, <laughs> uh, oh shoot, uh, his name has now left me. I'm going to blame the beer, but uh, we've been in contact with him from the containment unit. Uh, very tall gentleman. Um, one of the <laughs> oh, other. Yeah. yeah uh, very tall or very short. I, see, it's funny that you fixated on that. I fixated on the fact that Will uh, is rocking the shaved head look now. And I was like, that looks pretty good on you, man. That's a good look. Uh, it, um, it is a pretty good look. But, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the the containment unit folks, they're doing a lot of, of uh, great great work, both for collectors but also uh, for good causes. So yes. um, always happy to shout them out. Uh, check, check them out. Containment unit on uh, Facebook is the best place to find them, I believe. Yes, the containment unit... Uh we collect spores, molds, and signatures. I think yeah. that's their logo. Uh, last but not least, and a shout out to uh, Ghost Cave, which is the uh, the project name that uh, our friend DJBC, Mr. Cronin, is right. Um, 
part of? of his tracks on the Bill Murray episode, if I remember correctly. That, right? yeah. I think so. Um, I think I did. Did I? Or somebody's? I, I think it. Yeah, I think that's how we kicked What's things off. Or, or maybe maybe it was the O Canada. Was that his? <laughs> I can't remember. Anyway, can't yeah, remember. sorry. I didn't mean but to do really. The point is, is um, he's got a new one, uh, and it's in Kickstarter right now. So if you search Ghost Cave or Haunted uh, Mansion Vinyl 7-inch, uh, if you're a Ghostbusters fan and or Disney fan, he's gotten the official okay from Disney to release a limited edition vinyl record of a um, the Haunted Mansion. Um, uh, Grim Grinning Ghosts, I believe it is. That's the one. Yeah. Uh, they have a, a version, but the B-side on it is uh, We're Ready to Believe You, which is a Ghostbusters uh, track they did. Uh, and it's not just the vinyl. Like, you can buy it several tiers. Uh, the first couple don't even involve getting vinyl, but you can get digital copies of the track and all that. And I, I was lucky enough. I got to hear uh, got to hear uh, the tracks, and it's it's some good stuff. Uh, in particular, people who like to get Ghostbusters-themed stuff to throw onto their uh, packs with... Uh, with the speakers and all that for cons and all that. Here's another track you should go drop. I think it's 10 or 15 bucks that gets you just the, the MP3. Even th- That'll go a long way to help them out. Uh, and I think the reason I wanted to make a point of bringing this up is it's a very short crowdfunding um, window. I think as of us recording today, it's got like a week and a half left, meaning by the time you're listening to this on Monday, there's probably Only less than a week. Yeah. yeah. So go, go, uh, we got the link up on our social media, uh, or you can search Ghost Cave on um, Facebook or a Kickstarter. And uh, yeah, go. Uh, boy, I wish I had more money, I'll be honest, because one of the upper tiers, 40 bucks, which seems like not a lot, uh, you know, until you turn into a dad with responsibility. <laughs> Dumb stuff. I hear ya. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> You get like t-shirt, the vinyl, but like the special vinyl. So instead of just plastic vinyl, uh, like black vinyl, you get like a purple translucent vinyl, uh, a pin, like all this stuff. Um, multiple, tra- oh, special like um, uh, alternate mixes and all that of the, in digital form of the tracks. I'm like, oh, this is just, man. Yeah. So go, yeah, go check that out. And I'm pretty sure it was the bill, because I think he... He was the one who did the whole concept album that was nothing but Bill Murray tracks, if I remember right. I was trying to... I don't want to misremember, well, but... I don't know about... Boy, now I gotta go... Ch- again, I'm yeah. blaming the beer and tired. Beer, but, uh, tired, I, hour. The funny part is, what I didn't realize is I was aware of Bob and his work before I even got to meet Bob through Ghostbusters channels because he's the one behind the... the... the Beastles... Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mashing up the Beastie Boys and the Beatles and all that, which, you know, still exists. It's it's, it's on my phone. It's like I've had it forever. Uh, yeah, he's um, he's doing some really cool stuff. I'm going to talk to him, uh, I don't know, maybe for the Halloween mix coming up I can yeah, do a little incorporate something. Incorporate a little bit. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. so go, go check out that Kickstarter. D- don't delay. It sounds like you have zero time left if you're listening to this. So go, you go do that. You got a few days. I'm, I, yeah. Without double checking, I'm pretty sure you got at least a few days from, if you're listening to this on the day it drops. Yeah. Uh, if you're listening to this late, why don't uh, you listen to us sorry, in a more timely come manner? Come on, do it. It's not that hard. 
I uh, know. No, it is hard. There's a lot of good podcasts out there. I don't blame you guys. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, don't forget, call if you go to uh, Halloween Horror Nights, call in, leave us voicemails, tell us about your experiences, things that happened to you, um, because we want to. I, I think that's a fun sort of social experiment. Let's hear everybody's first person perspectives on the uh, the maze and, and see how things differ. And uh, go order your Fathom tickets now while you still can. And uh, go kickstart this uh, awesome concept album, this this seven inch vinyl. That sounds like oh man, that's such a good idea. As a Disney Ghostbusters fan, I got to go do it right now Super. as we get off of this. Uh, one last thing: if you uh, hear tell of cleaning up the town, showing anywhere in your area, let us know so we can share that out to people. Yeah, as well. so everybody can get access to it. Absolutely. Um, but uh, all right, well, fun fun episode back, Chris. Uh, that was I. I'm glad we did this. I'm glad we finally <laughs> talked, Chris. I'm always glad. <laughs> Me too. We never talk anymore. We, we don't talk. Uh, but uh, until next week, where we will certainly be talking quite some, some uh, I don't know. There's going to be fun discussion topics. There have to be. There has to be plenty to talk about. We've been doing this for five years. We got plenty of stuff uh, the, to. I, we got handed one, um, not to drag things out a bit here, but somebody posted an article about uh, uh, anachronisms in Ghostbusters that millennials wouldn't understand. I think. Oh, we have to do that. All right, that's our next one. one. All right, yeah, we'll yeah. get into that one. <laughs> and until we do, we'll see you all on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at protoncharging.com, ghostbustershq.net, and stillplayingwithtoys.net. It used to be one of my two favorite shows. Everything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Oh. Next week, though, Careless Pets. We're so